Chapter 16 of Brigands of the Moon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Brigands of the Moon by Ray Cummings. Chapter 16. She came. I suppose it was no more than an hour. It seemed an eternity of apprehension. There was the slight hissing of the seal of my door. The panel slid. I had leapt from my bunk, where in the darkness I was lying tense. Prince? I did not dare say Anita. Greg? Her voice. My gaze swept the deck as the panel opened. Neither Coniston nor anyone else was in sight, save Anita's dark-robed figure, which came into my room. You got it? I asked in a low whisper. I held her for an instant, kissed her, but she pushed me away with quick hands. She was breathless. Yes, I have it. Give us a little light. We must hurry. In the blue dimness, I saw that she was holding one of the Martian cylinders, the smaller size. It would paralyze, but not kill. Only one, Anita? Yes, and this. The invisible cloak. We laid it on my grid, and I adjusted its mechanism. I donned it, and drew its hood, and threw on its current. All right, Anita? Yes. Can you see me? No. She stepped back a foot or two. Not from here, but you must let no one approach too close. Then she came forward, put out her hand, fumbled until she found me. It was our plan to have me follow her out. Anyone observing us would see only the robed figure of the supposed George Prince, and I would escape unnoticed. The situation about the ship was almost unchanged. Anita had secured the weapon and the cloak and slipped away to my cubby without being observed. You're sure of that? I think so, Greg. I was careful. Moa was now in the lounge, guarding the passengers. Hahn was asleep in the chart room. Coniston was in the turret. Coniston would be off duty presently, Anita said, with Hahn taking his place. There were lookouts in the forward and stern watchtowers and a guard upon Snap in the radio room. Is he inside the room, Anita? Snap? Yes. No, the guard. The guard was sitting on the spider bridge at the door. This was unfortunate. That guard could see all the deck clearly. He might be suspicious of George Prince wandering around, it would be difficult to get near enough to assail him. This cylinder, I knew, had an effective range of only some twenty feet. Coniston is the sharpest, Greg. He will be the hardest to get near. Where is Miko? The brigand leader had gone below a few moments ago, down into the hull corridor. Anita had seized the opportunity to come to me. We can attack Hahn in the chart room first, I whispered, and get the other weapons. Are they still there? Yes, but the forward deck is very bright, Greg. We were approaching the asteroid. Already its light, like a brilliant moon, was brightening the forward deck space. It made me realize how much haste was necessary. We decided to go down into the hull corridors, locate Miko, fell him, and hide him. His non-appearance back on deck would, very soon, throw the others into confusion, especially now with our impending landing on the asteroid. And, under cover of this confusion, we would try to release Snap. We were ready. Anita slid my door open. She stepped through with me soundlessly scurrying after her. The empty, silent deck was alternately dark with shadow patches and bright with blobs of starlight. A sheen of the sun's corona mingled with it, and from forward came the radiance of the asteroid's mellow silver glow. Anita turned to seal my door. With my faintly humming cloak I stood beside her. Was I invisible in this light? Almost directly over us, close under the dome, the lookout sat in his little tower. He gazed down at Anita. 
Amidships, high over the cabin superstructure, the radio room hung dark and silent. The guard on its bridge was visible. He too looked down. A tense instant. Then I breathed again. There was no alarm. The two guards answered Anita's gesture. Anita said aloud into my empty cubby, Miko will come for you presently, Haljan. He told me that he wants you at the turret controls to land us on the asteroid. She finished sealing my door and turned away, started forward along the deck. I followed. My steps were soundless in my elastic-bottomed shoes. Anita swaggered with a noisy tread. Near the door of the smoking room, a small incline passage led downward. We went into it. The passage was dimly blue-lit. We descended its length, came to the main corridor which ran the length of the hull, a vaulted metal passage with doors to the control rooms opening from it. Dim lights showed at intervals. The humming of the ship was more apparent here. It drowned the light humming of my cloak. I crept after Anita. My hand under the cloak clutched the ray weapon. A steward passed us. I shrank aside to avoid him. Anita spoke to him. Where is uh, Miko, Ellis? In the ventilator room, Miss Prince. There was difficulty with the air renewal. Anita nodded and moved on. I could have felled that steward as he passed me. Oh, if only I had. How different things might have been. But it seemed needless. I let him go, and he turned into a nearby door which led to the galley. Anita moved forward. If we could come upon Miko alone. Abruptly she turned and whispered, Greg, if other men are with him, I'll draw him away. You watch your chance. What little things can overthrow one's careful plans? Anita had not realized how close to her I was following, and her turning so unexpectedly caused me to collide with her sharply. Oh! she exclaimed it involuntarily. Her outflung hand had unwittingly gripped my wrist, caught the electrode there. The touch burned her and short-circuited my robe. There was a hiss. My current burnt out the tiny fuses. My invisibility was gone. I stood, a tall, black-hooded figure, revealed to the gaze of anyone who might be near. The futile plans of humans. We had planned so carefully. Our calculations, our hopes of what we could do, came clattering now in a sudden wreckage around us. Anita, run! If I were seen with her, then her own disguise would probably be discovered. That, above everything, would be disaster. Anita, get away from me! I must try it alone. I could hide somewhere, repair the cloak perhaps, or, since now I was armed, why could I not boldly start an assault? Greg, we must get you back to your cubby. She was clinging to me in panic. No, you run. Get away from me. Don't you understand? George Prince has no business here with me. They'll kill you. Greg, let's get back to the deck. I pushed at her, both of us in confusion. From behind me there came a shout, that accursed steward. He had returned, to investigate perhaps what George Prince was doing in this corridor. He heard our voices. His shout in the silence of the ship sounded horribly loud. The white-cloaked shape of him was in the nearby doorway. He stood stricken with surprise at seeing me, and then turned to run. I fired my paralyzing cylinder through my cloak, and got him. He fell. I shoved Anita violently. Run! Tell Miko to come. Tell him you heard a shout. He won't suspect you. But, Greg, you mustn't be found out. You're our only hope, Anita. I'll hide, fix the cloak, or get back to my cubby. We'll try again, it decided her. She scurried down the corridor. I whirled the other way. The steward's shout might not have been heard. Then realization flashed to me. That steward would be revived. He was one of Miko's men. He would be revived and tell what he had seen and heard. Anita's disguise would be revealed. A cold-blooded killing, I do protest, went against me. But it was necessary. 
I flung myself upon him. I beat his skull with the metal of my cylinder. I stood up. My hood had fallen back from my head. I wiped my bloody hands on my useless cloak. I had smashed the cylinder. Haljan! Anita's voice, a sharp note of horror and warning. I became aware that in the corridor, forty feet down its dim length, Miko had appeared, with Anita behind him. His bullet projector was leveled. It spat at me, but Anita had pulled at his arm. The explosive report was sharply deafening in the confined space of the corridor, and with a spurt of flame the leaden pellet struck over my head against the vaulted ceiling. Miko was struggling with Anita. Prince, you idiot! Miko, it's Haljan! Don't kill him! The turmoil brought members of the crew. From the shadowed oval near me they came running. I flung the useless cylinder at them, but I was trapped in the narrow passage. I might have fought my way out, or Miko might have shot me. But there was danger that, in her horror, Anita would betray herself. I backed against the wall. Don't kill me! See, I, I will not fight! I flung up my arms, and the crew, emboldened and courageous under Miko's gaze, leapt on me and bore me down. The futile plans of humans. Anita and I had planned so carefully, and in a few brief minutes of action, it had come only to this. End of chapter 16